You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. This is how we do it. I know you know that song. My guest today is Montel Jordan. Yes, that Montel and Kristen Jordan. You may know Montel from the song I just tried to sing, but did you know he was an organizational communications major from Pepperdine University? And he went on to pin five number one hits with combined sales of around 25 million singles and albums worldwide. Did you know the whole time the mastermind behind the scenes was his manager? You may ask, who is his manager? Of course, it's his lovely and fantastic wife, Kristen, behind every good man is an even better woman. In January 2011, Montel and Kristen made a pivot that was so shocking that even TMZ stopped him in LAX airport. Uh, we got Montel Jordan at LAX. Hey, so you, you work as a, as a pastor in Atlanta, like a music pastor nowadays? I am. Because he's a, he's a music pastor. Okay. In, um, at this huge so if TMZ can ask that question... So can I. Music, um, you know, doing secular music to now being a mega um, a pastor, a worship pastor at a, a mega church here in the Atlanta area. How did that happen? <laughs> well, um, I think uh, most people uh, may not be familiar, but the, the journey that, that we both kind of took was from music uh, into ministry. And okay. uh, we were brought up, at least I was brought up uh-huh. uh, in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that standpoint, I knew from a young age that I was supposed to be in ministry. I just mm. didn't answer that call and uh-huh. just basically, you know, wanted to do things my entire life my way. And so the journey, when we really got to the place of leaving success of the music business was kind of a determination that we wanted something that was real and a lot of what the music business and the industry had offered was counterfeit. Mm. Uh, it was counterfeit fame, counterfeit resource, uh, counterfeit notoriety, relationships. counterfeit relationships. Everything was very, very yeah. uh, surfacey. And, uh, and uh, you know, I say counterfeit money will spend. So we were able to sustain there because even what's not real in placed in the proper place yeah. becomes a currency, but we were never satisfied while we were there. And so moving into ministry, Latasha, basically was the journey of just wanting something real as opposed to something that had been counterfeit. Yeah. Mm. And we wanted to lead a life of significance. Mm. Um, and up to that point, we realized that everything was kind of empty. 
Mm. And yeah. so it's like, no matter, like, we thought that, okay, if you smell a million records, that's going to be like the, ooh. Yeah. And then we sold a million records. And it didn't matter. And then we got, you know, then the next one was, oh, when we get a number one, okay? And then you did that. Okay, maybe it's another one. And after Mm. number six, it it didn't really matter. And Mm. the thing is, is that so many things we were trying to fill, really this God-sized hole with a man-sized solution, and it never filled. I love that. Repeat that again. Repeat that again. I love that. Um, That we had a God-sized hole in our hearts, and we were trying to fill it with a man-sized solution, and it could never fulfill. Wow. Wow. Better preach right there. I I can tell. You you got a good one. You got a good one. I'm (laughs) married up. You got a good one. You married up. Montel became the worship pastor at Victory World Church in January of 2011. Victory was founded in 1990 by pastors Dennis and Colleen Rouse with just six people. Victory now welcomes more than 16,000 people each weekend. But hold up, R&B star? Worship pastor? I had to ask this question. You know, your background is R&B. And so how do you do that? How are you leading multiculturally in this environment? You know, It takes intentionality. And it takes dying to oneself, one's preferences uh, to prefer others. Uh, You know, when you got, you know, at Victory Church, they have 141 different nations of people in one church. And like you said, that simply means that ain't nobody going to be happy with worship. Because the Nigerians, they want to worship like this. And other people (laughs) want to be laid out on the floor. Somebody wants to run around. These people don't want to lift their hands. Everything is always different. But I think that it wasn't just my R&B background, but it was my pop sensibilities that also enabled me to almost take my journey into uh, worship school. So, you know, having a, a R&B record that was kind of a hip hop record that took yeah. me to the hood, that became a pop record that took me around the world. Oh, I yeah. learned, you know, how Japanese uh, yeah. uh, are, are at, at concerts. I learned how some people are very, very outwardly spoken. Some people are more reserved. And so literally a song that took me from Germany to Abu Dhabi, just all around the world gave me different context mm. of how people are, what they do, how to identify with those different cultures and nationalities. So literally, uh, my music business experience was not uh, a seminary, but it was like cemetery, what I say, yeah. where <laughs> I had to die to some things yeah. uh, to be able to learn uh, how to do worship in a non-worship setting. And so uh. that basically was the template for me walking into a multicultural uh, atmosphere and people thinking initially, Montel coming in here, R&B, he's going to take everything and go black. Everything is going to go gospel. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I, I love black, <laughs> but I also understand how to be able to black, how to translate black into where everybody is able to digest right. uh, and partake of what you know God wants to share in worship. So it was like a training ground. It was a training ground. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we learned, too, that, like, I think growing up, it was different for us. And so Mm. we, you know, we always thought praise and worship. One, we thought praise and worship was one word. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we did. (laughs) We thought praise was the fast songs and worship was the slow songs. Hey, somebody oh. listening to this right now, they probably still yeah, thinking they, that right they're like, now. They're Look like, ahead. They'll never know. They're you. like, what? 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 Yeah. It's, it's not? not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the beauty of it. I, I think in this setting, what we learned is, is that 
praise is what we do because of what he's done. Yeah. And we're grateful for that. But worship is because of what he does and who he, he is. is. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like we didn't have that understanding until we mm. came into this setting. And so when you get that revelation, then you don't have that opinion of like, I don't like this song. I don't want this song. This song mm. doesn't fit how I feel because worship isn't about you. Mm. It's about God. And so yeah. when we got that revelation, then it was like, OK, it doesn't matter white, black, Chinese, any, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's really just about um, coming what we came to do yep. mm. and getting people in that mindset. I love yes. you said that. We, we praise him for what he's done. We worship him for who he is. Okay, so for those of you who may not know, Christian is biracial. You caught Christian's wisdom and deep understanding of how to distinguish between worship and praise. Of course, coming up in California where there are so many multi-ethnic and multicultural churches, Kristen had to grow up in one of those many diverse ministries nearest to her, right? Let's see. She was a heathen when I found her. <laughs> I was a heathen. Uh, Backslidden heathen. I had, to, I had to flirt to convert. Oh. And I, <laughs> this happened. This okay, is okay. No, no, funny. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. Um, okay. And so, funny enough, my grandparents were actually pastors in the Salvation okay. Army. Ooh, and they built wow. churches all over the world. Wow. Um, my wow. grandfather was actually a keynote speaker at the fall of the Berlin Wall. Wow. So it was in my DNA, but because um, their kids grew up in that, they revolted. Instead oh. of running to, they ran from. Mm. So I didn't grow up in church. And so actually, I didn't get saved until I was 23 years old. Okay. Um, Had to okay. pull it out of her. Yeah. <laughs> I took her to church with me one it's Sunday morning. Yes. Yeah, story. <laughs> the spirit moved. And she said, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that was my first experience of that that, that caliber really? and the the flipping of the pews and the oh dance, my the, goodness. Yeah. and that's, the hat that's and not the a, announcements. That's not at Victory Church, by the way. No. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna get that, but you can get that here. Okay, yeah. okay. So like, you know how to turn it on, right? You know how to turn oh, it on. Oh yeah, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's, a there's a button. <laughs> there's a button. <laughs> <laughs> we all got it. We all got it. We There's all a got button. it. You can, you can push. So. Yeah. We call sorry. that the turn up button. Go the ahead. turn yeah, up. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I <laughs> Um, but so for me, um, he was actually, uh, the first one to take me to church and I was like, oh boy. And of course I was the light bright in the whole place and uh -huh, I was still uh -huh. in the golden boy. So then you already know how this goes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, so, <laughs> um, but you know, I got the hat and the church hat and the Bible to match, and I, you know, oh my all goodness. the things, right. <laughs> but, um, but it wasn't actually until I, that happened when I was 19 Okay. And I actually got saved when I was about 23. Okay. And that was, a, we, I went to a four square church in Los okay. Angeles. Okay. And, um, changed my whole situation. Like I remember it was on a, um, a, a new year's, a Christmas Eve service. And they were uh -huh. like, and for the first time hearing that God loved me, specifically me, but wow. feeling that presence, I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is different. This is a whole mm. nother level. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't playing church. I could actually feel his presence. Mm. And so that for me was like, okay, this is next level. And so then, of course, as as all mixed kids do, you know, you, you go hard left, hard right. Yeah. So as a bigger heathen as I was, now I'm, I was holy rolling. Heathen for, <laughs> for Jesus. At the beginning of the last segment, you could hear in Montel's vocal riffs and tone that his church upbringing was very different from Kristen's. Check this out. 
church growing up for me was uh, like a family reunion. Every single okay. weekend, all my fa- all my relatives, uncle was a, the president of the deacon board, the mothers, the minister. <laughs> it, it was a traditional yeah. uh, a Baptist okay. church experience out on the West Coast. Okay. Uh, my pastor at the time was a man named Richard Stubbs, who was a cousin to Levi Stubbs, who was the uh-huh. lead singer of the Four Tops. Uh-huh. So my pastor could sing. Uh, and he trained on. us in the musical side of okay. of, uh, of church. And so for me, most of my early church experiences were musical experiences. In fact, uh, going into the music business years later, most of the musicians and music directors and folks that I even had surrounding me out on the road happened to be church kids, turn producers, turn musicians. And so that was pretty much my experience. It was a, uh, I, I like to say I was... Uh, always in church, but church wasn't always in me. And so that is the journey that I took to where I knew all the technical things to do about uh, how to raise emotion. I knew how to play the right chords. I knew how to feel and sense uh, uh, the what the spirit was doing, but I did it from a distance as long as the spirit didn't touch me because we right. was Baptist too, and Baptist wasn't all about the Holy Ghost like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked about it, but we didn't really want to see it. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of my experience growing up, being in church, but not allowing church to be in me. Right. And that would sustain me up until God really spoke to me at a much later age. Because this is where the tables turn. Oh. See, because when I got saved, and I was like, wait, so all the things that we used to do, we don't do those anymore. We're not doing that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so then I was like, okay, well, like if you can't get right, get left. I'm good. Uh-huh. I don't want it. At the working together in the secular music industry, to working together in Christian music through the church, this married couple of 26 years birthed Masterpiece. Did you catch that? Master P E A C E. So clever. Check this out. Yeah, well, let me start and then I'll pass on to, to my better half. Um, uh-huh. Kristen and I, before we even got into the music business, Natasha, we knew that we were supposed to be married. Uh, mm. We started out as artist and manager. And even though we weren't in the word like that, something in us knew that marriage was going to be the closest thing to sustain us to relationship with God. Uh, uh-huh. We couldn't understand it. We didn't have words for it. But it's just something we innately knew. Uh, Uh And so from that standpoint, uh, we were married prior to getting in the business. We took our journey together and took our exodus out of the business into ministry together. Mm -hmm. And now are kind of journeying into taking what we've learned in ministry back out into the world through something that we call Marriage Masterpiece. And Marriage Masterpiece is that when we lost ourselves, um, God was able to find us. Uh, through marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, He was able to, when I was off the deep end and losing it, when she was uh, wilding out, it was in the the safety of marriage that we were both able to be put back together again. And we found that in life, all the different pieces that people are trying to put together, my life, my dating, my home, my job, my men, all those different pieces, we believe that for us, we believe that marriage was the master piece in that puzzle that mm-hmm. allows us to master peace in our lives. And so we wanted to be able to take what God did for us yeah. uh, and give it to other people, famous and not famous, who allow their life to go to pieces because they don't have a template 
of what it looks like to be committed to each other, to love forever and mm. to make it dope and make it fly and make <laughs> it sexy and make it uh, admirable and desirable to people to want that. we It's not modeled enough. And so mm. that's what we did to come together and try and present that. What, do, what would you say? Um, I think... One of the things that uh, got impressed, of, I would, we would go through these things, and it was really interesting to me as we were journeying through this music business because we were saved before I got into the music business. People mm-hmm. don't know that because uh, later, as the music business started to get into me, yeah. that I wouldn't necessarily reflect him. Right? Okay. Okay. So um, what happens is, is that all these experiences and all these things that we lived through were there were some really crazy, horrific things, mm. and I would be like, God, I don't understand. Like, I love you. I lived this, breathed this, walked this. Like, how does this happen? And he would always tell me, It's not about you, and I'll give you double for your trouble. And I never mm-hmm. understood what that mean meant. And then, and then I would uh, be like, Okay, God. Just show me what we're supposed to do with this. And it would be when he birthed this ministry in us. And um, it came out of a church leader saying, hey, we need small group leaders. We're like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Well, what are you passionate about? Marriage. Oh, and he was like, okay. great. Next week, I need you to have these things. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, we're still in the music business at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So, But we started doing these uh, sessions and... Mm. The thing was, is that as we started to do it, it was like, this is like air to our souls. Like, whoa. It's something okay. we got to do together, mm. too, yeah. as opposed to me leading worship, being over here, her producing and being over here, doing marriage ministry, like what we're doing even right now. We get a chance to do it together, together. and be close and vibe off each other and feed off of each other. And wow. at the end of one of these sessions, we had all the, we had a question and answer session. And basically all of these people would put forth their problems. Well... What happens what if, happens if this? your husband cheats? What do you do about that? Well, you may not understand. And they always preface, you may not understand. Or you may not get this. Yeah. And then basically we had 50 couples in the room. Every one of them got an opportunity to speak. And they would start out with a question like that. And we would say, well, actually in 2003. Really? Well, actually in 1999. Yeah. Well, actually. Huh. And God reminded me wow. that I told you it wasn't about, about you. you. And mm. I'm going to give you double for your trouble. And mm. so what happens is, is that our messes become our ministry. And so mm. what we do is take the places where we were broken, where we were a mess and that God was gracious enough to see us through and try and help people walk through things that they feel like that they can't. And the idea is is that we're hope on the other side of the mountain so that even if they're on the back side, they know there is a front side and there is hope. Because if he can fix us, girl, bye. He can fix anybody. That's so good. I mean, this is... They do ministry together, but Kristen is still Montel's manager. Hmm. How does that work now, especially in a Christian context. It's different now. Yeah. Okay, it's different in the context of we're different. Hallelujah. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because truthfully, um, what happens is, is that, and I think this happens with a lot of people, and I think uh-huh. um, that sometimes we can, we love Jesus, but we get out in the world and we don't allow him to speak into things. Mm-hmm. So when we get outside of ourselves, we become somebody that we're not too proud mm-hmm. of. So now when we're in, when we're in that space, um, I was different. I wasn't, okay. oh, goodness yeah. gracious. <laughs> People who knew me then, they see me now and they're like, wow, Jesus what is, is real. 
Jesus, yeah. Israel. Your life is a living testimony, huh? Yes. And it's funny because he's not the man that he was. Not yeah. at all. Like, this okay. is this is everything that God told me would be and more. Um, oh, wow. But it's through prayer and through yeah. God absolutely getting a hold of a man's heart and changing yeah. him from the inside out. And so now when I deal with them, it's it's from a different place because I'm a different person and he's a different person. Before, uh, the word submission was like a cuss word. Uh-huh. Um, and uh-huh. in this context, even though I, in a management context, I've learned how to be submissive and lead as well. Yeah. But it's a yeah. different, I, I will never address him the way that I used to because yeah. um, I, I know the power and the strength in submission and the power yeah. and the strength of being in order. Okay, let's be real. I love Montel the Worshipper, but come on, I like R&B Montel too. In secular settings, I really don't mind hearing him do his hits, but that led me to this um, question. You know, like Montel still, you're still doing concerts, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you do all the songs? Like, do, are you doing all the songs? No. <laughs> oh no. So, <laughs> so, so let, let me let me give a, a preface of what it looks okay. like. Okay. Um, and Kristen knows that when we left the music business and went into ministry, there were certain people that were reaching out to us. You know, Montel, come to a concert. Montel, do a concert. I literally had laid down the whole music business for like almost four years. Okay. Nothing. No singing. I, Not once. I got rid of tracks. Like I was done. Wow. And this like one burn particular. Burn the plow. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> really wow. that. that wow. Wow. And this one promoter continued to pursue her every single year. Every year. I need Montel for this year. I need Montel. I need Montel. And she finally uh, reached out to him. Was like, Hey, you, you know, why do you keep calling? I need Montel for this show. Well, um, you know, Montel, he's he's not in, he's not doing shows. You know, he retired. Yeah, I know he retired. Well, you know, he's a pastor now. Yeah, I know. I'm a Christian too, and I, I've been following your career. Uh-huh. And so she's like, well, if you know he don't do that anymore, <laughs> why do you keep calling? And uh-huh. he said, because I'm doing a show. It's really dark, and I need some light. Oh wow! So from so that standpoint, like, wait a minute. It becomes all right. So. God, if you want to use what you've given us in ministry to be able to actually take it out into the world where it's supposed to actually go, I don't know how to do that. How can I do that? And so I've crafted a show that the there are certain things I just don't I, I just don't sing anymore. So my preface, my preface, though, to him was, listen, OK, so the only way we'll say yes is if one, there's no censorship whatsoever. I can do whatever I want to do. And as long as I do, this is how we do it. You don't have any I contention. Say, I can or say Jesus. I can do whatever I want. And he and, was like, uh-huh. yeah, yep, you're good to go. So, you okay. so what we did was to, to craft the show. Uh, I've either changed words in songs or I will use some of the music to create nostalgia so people remember okay. a song so for okay. instance there's a funny sh- moment in the show where the song let's ride comes on uh-huh. uh, i don't do any of the uh, because music is a soundtrack to our lives so when a song right. comes on yeah if you was in the script club when let's ride was on uh-huh. you, go, you go back there or you you get the pictures you get the images of what was happening there so i got to be uh-huh. careful but i'll start playing let's ride i'll do like the intro of the song and then i will literally stop the song and i'll say 
Yeah, I can't do that song. That song nasty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I'm a pastor now. I told you I'm a pastor right, now. Right, right. But here's what I can do. And so what I've done is I've sparked the nostalgia that makes you feel like you heard the song because you remember the song. Right. You got to hear a glimpse of it. And so, oh, he did Let's Ride. And that was funny. Uh-huh. And now I've moved on to the next piece. Okay. So I'm giving you hit records without compromising who we are in Jesus. Uh-huh. But I'm also crafting a ministry moments that I get to a place to be able to say, Hey, I've been saying this song is nasty and this is where I was on this song, but literally I get an opportunity to minister in my shows saying that Get It On Tonight was about adultery, but God saved me from that. Let's Ride was about fornication, but God saved me from that. And so I Uh used those negative uh, musical moments that are attached to people's lives to tell the story of God's redemption. God's redemption. God's redemption. God's redemption. God's redemption. God's redemption. Wow, this is so good. Don't hit pause just yet. We're going to take a really quick break and we will be right back. If you are listening to today's podcast and would like to become a bridge builder in your community, guess what? Be the Bridge programs are available for youth, college students, adults, BIPOC, and transracial adoptees and adoptive parents. Our desire is for people to have healthy conversations about race, so we've provided guides to lead people through these discussions. Visit our shop at bethebridge.com to grab a guide and start conversations in your community. Thanks for staying with us. Let's pick up Latasha's conversation with today's guest. We see us, we see the writing on the wall. When we see us, we've seen it all. We see we, we seem too many of us fall. Tell me why that always gotta be. We see you, yeah, you. This is what we all gotta do. This is a snippet of an awesome song called We See You, written by Montel and the iconic hit songwriter and producer Daryl Simmons, that can be found on all music and social media platforms. You gotta see the awesome video on YouTube. All of this illuminates the social justice side of Montel and Christian. So let's unpack We See You. We've embarked on this social justice campaign called We See You. And um, tell me about that and how did that come about, you know? Yeah. Well, um, we have lots of different friends of different nationalities. Uh, As the world became uh, slowly awakened or kind of shook by Ahmaud Arbery, Mm -hmm. that was kind of just kind of a... A a shaking more than an awakening. Mm. Uh, When George Floyd, uh, when our brother's life was was taken and when he was murdered, Mm -hmm. um, the world's eyes were open. And in in the backdrop of COVID 19, you know, God calling time out on the entire world, all eyes were on social media, all eyes were in a place of where you cannot scroll and swipe past injustice. Mm. Is right. God allowed, you know, they say 2020 was a year of perfect vision. And what we didn't understand is that in perfect vision, you got to be able to see. And so God literally almost stopped time mm. so that an entire world could all see, see the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but even in seeing the same thing, people still see something different. And so mm-hmm. what we wanted to do was 
You know, some people are, oh, you got to boycott, boycott this. Or some people are, we got to loot. Or some people are, we got to protest. Some people, we got to march. Some people, we got to give. Some people, we got to divest. Some, everybody has their something. Right. And so I believe that, and we believe that uh, everybody can't do everything, mm -hmm. but everybody can do something. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to look at something that we could do that would last beyond our lives that people could look back and say, you know, when people looked at the 60s or, or the civil rights movement of the 60s and they said, well, if I was there, I would have done this. Or if I was there, I would have done this. OK, well, here we are. Uh, the, the, the 60s right now in 2020. 2020, right. 40 and, years later, like and, it was brand new. Yeah, and we're able to see what you would have done back then because it's happening right now. Yeah. And so some folks right now don't really know what to say or how to navigate. And so we're trying to help uh, people. We want to help white people who don't know what to say or how to navigate this. They want to not just sympathize, but they want to empathize Mm -hmm. and understand what's going on. And so one of the things that we did, we put together the uh, We See You, which is uh, kind of a, a PSA, a public service announcement, but it's a song, it's a ministry, and it is a uh, awareness that we have a First Amendment right to be able to right to record. And so mm -hmm. that was the thing that we took on, that we have a right to record. And mm -hmm. we took that on because... Uh, in the Ahmaud Arbery case, somebody was recording it, even though the intention wasn't wasn't probably honorable because it was recorded. We were able to see it in the case of George Floyd. If no one was recording it and we just heard about it and they mm -hmm. said, oh, this guy was, you know, murdered by the police. It's like, oh, that's sad or that's bad. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. you can see it and it's your yeah. First Amendment right what we're seeing now is that people are becoming more aware that they have a right. It's in your first amendment. It, it's not something you have to press for, but it's something that we have the right you know, to record. And I think one of the things we were finding, like when all of this stuff was unfolding, it was a thing for us that like, what can we do? What is the thing that matters? And the thing is, is that what was the separating thing between a George Floyd and a Breonna Taylor? And it was really mm. that there was footage. Yeah. Both are horrific. Both are ridiculous and should never have happened to any human being. Yeah. Especially by another human being. I don't care what color you are. This, yeah. The fact that you could think that this is okay. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens is, is that when nobody's recording, then it's just a travesty, right? Mm, but it, but but it's harder to hold those accountable. Now I think you know. Listen, this has been happening all along. This is it. Yeah. Injustice and the way that we've been treated at the hands of people in authority, based on several things. Yeah. <laughs> that mm -hmm. this has been happening all along. But I think where the difference comes in is now that we have people who can record it. And now you can play it back. Now it's harder to say that didn't happen, yeah. to forget it. Those images are forever burned in your mind. Yeah. And yeah. that yeah. was for us is like, okay, how can you sit on a jury of peers and not mm -hmm. have an impression that this person has to pay for a life that he took? Yeah. yeah. And so now with those impressions. And so what happened is in the in the season of that we were doing this in mm -hmm. um, Arizona, there was a community that was saying, um, well, if it's deemed a police um, a crime scene, crime scene or then you can't, you can't film. record. No. Mm. 
No, wait. That goes against the Constitution. You can't just make up rules as we go along. Exactly. Like, wait, what? Like, yes, th- it doesn't yes. work like that in any other right, place. So why right. why do you get that authority? So for us, we were like, oh no, blast! Yeah. Like, we can't. You, we can't yeah. allow that because that's the way you're trying to silence. And for me, I have two 17 year old boys. I have a, a 31 year old son. And mm. for me, the terror of thinking that you could get pulled over and they can do whatever they want to do because of mm-hmm. the color of your like it's terrifying to me that I have a 17 year old son that next week this week he gets his license right mm-hmm. whereas white parents are like oh this is so exciting I get freedom I'm so happy yeah. that's that's the conversations I have at a football game and I'm like I'm terrified no I'm mm. not happy at all like and it's not mm. that I don't trust you it's that I don't trust them Mm, and mm. for me, the fact that they could see you and not know that you're the most loving, compassionate human on this planet, to not know that he's my baby, yeah. um, but you're not going to see that. You're yeah. going to see this black man, and that's the thing that was for us like, okay, we have to, we have to do something. We have to educate. We have to let people yeah. know that it's your First Amendment right that when police are engaged in public activity. You can audio record them. You can video record them. You can uh, take pictures because when cameras are turned off, our cameras, body cameras, there's no accountability. And when there's no accountability, then you know everybody is not safer. Police aren't safer. Yeah. People aren't safer. We want everybody to be safer. And so the right to record uh, brings awareness to that. I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm all in. I love my worship, but if you really know me, you know I love some R&B soul music. That was a snippet of Montel and Kristen's duet, I'm All In, on Montel's current album, Masterpiece. So I asked Montel this question. Montel, I heard that um, you're also still writing, um, you know, releasing an album called Masterpiece. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, And is there something that the Be The Bridge community can know about this that nobody else knows? Give us a little scoop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So so we we worked on a project because our marriage, uh, because marriage masterpiece allows us to well, before COVID, we were able to go and speak and, and teach Remember and be that? in places. Remember <laughs> yes. when you actually could, could go places? I was like, oh my yeah. gosh. And so, right. uh, but what we would do is the same way we have access to, to world uh, uh, venues, we also have access into ministry venues. And, you know, sometimes ministry venues have different uh, kind uh, of rules thoughts. and expectations about and thoughts. About secular music. About secular okay. music and you know, when we're coming in to talk about intimacy, we're coming in to help marriages. But a lot of okay. times, you know, they want you know they want me to pray, play the Smokey Norfolk. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Who's my man? You know, I love Smokey. Uh, but you know, there's a difference between Smokey Smokey Norfolk and Smokey Robinson. Like, yeah. you're gonna get two different feels. You know. Uh-huh. And so what we did was we created an album called 
Masterpiece, which is a, a compilation of new uh, R&B uh, love songs and party oh, songs wow. without compromise from the heart of a man that loves God and loves his wife. Oh, so wow. from that standpoint, it's basically the soundtrack to our marriage masterpiece ministry put in R&B hip hop form to be able to infiltrate and be acceptable and actually desirable for ministries to be able to have music that they can look at and say for our couples, for those who want to be married, this is the soundtrack for your lives. And so oh, wow. um, that is available now on all streaming platforms. Okay. The whole world don't know about it, but Be The Bridge knows about it. Okay. So they can go to MontellandKristen.com or any place that, you know, with Apple Music, iTunes, uh, Apple, P Google Play, mm -hmm. Pandora, all those that. places they can go. But I would say buy the album. Don't just stream it, you know, help a brother send some kids to college and go and you know. actually spend that nine ninety nine dollars and yeah. buy the album. I love it. I love it. Some of you listening probably are asking yourself how you can be as effective as they are in these spaces, especially in the times we are in. Great question. So I decided to ask them for you. Check this out. What advice um, would you have for people that are listening as they're trying to, to navigate um, um, these spaces, especially in the, um, the season and the, the environment um, that we have right now, the racial tension, the, the, un, the uh, unrest that we have right now? What advice would you have for people? You want to go first? No, you want to go, go. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> here's what I would say. Um, a lot of folks recognize that truth is what gets you into all the truth can go into whatever theology you have truth can go into whatever color nationality that's why i think you have the diversity and inclusive the inclusiveness in your be the bridge um what i would say especially into those white spaces mm -hmm. because those are most important especially in this season mm -hmm. um is that God is great. And because he loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us blind. Mm -hmm. uh, and he asked the question, do you want to be healed? Which is an interesting question because you would think you wouldn't have to ask somebody if they wanted to be healed. Right. And so, but he asked the question. And I think he's asking the question today, do you want to be healed? Mm -hmm. uh, and with healing comes with certain things that, are very difficult to be able to, to navigate, but that's what brings healing. In order for this guy to be healed, for Jesus to heal this guy, he had to spit. Mm. He had to spit on the ground and wipe something really, really disgusting in his, in his eyes. Mm. In other words, he had to see something really, really ugly before he could be able to see something the beauty bad. of being able to see clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I would say is that in the spaces where guilt, white guilt, or shame or uh, feeling like if I avoid this or I don't know what to say, um, I would ask my white brothers and sisters out there uh, to don't shy away, yeah. don't look yeah. away, uh, don't run away, yeah. lean in because there is love if you can get past what initially seems to be like uh. It's something you don't want to see. And mm -hmm. when I say that, I mean that you may not know what to say 
You may not know, maybe blocking your page out on social media feels like I'm just doing it because the crowd is doing it. Or I'm supposed to say Black Lives Matter, but I don't understand what this means or I don't agree with it. Like there's so many different things that make it difficult. Here's what I would say. Um, If you don't know what to say in in these spaces, one thing you can say is, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Which says a lot. Because it says, I, I can see, I don't know what to say, but I know that I love you, I know that I'm listening, mm-hmm. and I know that I'm learning right now. Because yeah. if you don't know what to say, and you say that, and you say, I love you, and I'm listening, and I'm learning, that gives you a license to be able to allow God to do in your heart, what needs to be done, so you do know what to say. Chris and I, we were talking about this, that the, the word says that out of the, the mouth mm. comes what's in a man or a woman's heart. Yeah. So think about this. If what is in your heart comes out of your mouth, mm. if nothing is coming out of your mouth, that's either because you don't know what's in your heart or you do know what's, what's in, in your, your heart, heart and you mm. don't want to say it. Because if it comes mm. out, because if it comes out, you look be a problem. or you sound a certain way. And so the mm-hmm. idea is God changed my heart because yes. if you change my heart, what then comes out of my mouth mm. is your heart not and not mine. my own. Mm. And so that's what I would say. That's how I would navigate those spaces for anybody that don't don't feel pressured as a white person and feel like oh, I have to I have to do this. I have to listen. What you have to do. Uh, is be able to be able to stand before God and say, you know what I mean, Lord, when you show, when you open my eyes, I did something with that. And in that, I don't know what to say to my black friends. I don't know what to say. And I can come to you and say, hey, I don't know what to say, but I love you and I'm listening yeah. and I'm learning. Yeah. Um, I, it's exactly for me. It's the whatever uh, the heart of the man goes out over the people. Yeah, mm. and that's the um, that was the revelation that God gave me when we first went into um, ministry uh, for worship leaders of that the heart of the man goes out over the people. So it's the same thing in the context of this social injustice of um, do heart checks daily. Mm. Every day for me, I have to heart check and say, God, there are things in here that don't look like you and I don't want Mm. that. So I need a daily reckoning of fix my heart. Um, Mm. For me, it's uh, if I want to be a woman after God's own heart, it can't look nasty and dirty. I can't say any old kind of thing. I can't Mm -hmm. do what I want to do. And sometimes I think, um, especially in things where they're heightened and all of our Mm -hmm. senses are at at an all-time high, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We're tempted to say or do things, um, Mm -hmm. especially when we don't agree with them. Or it hurts. Like for Mm -hmm. us, when the Arbery case happened, like we literally are weeping at our table and our seven-year-old is like, why are you crying? What's wrong with you? Mm. And we had to say it because a man died, honey. Mm. And we say, well, how did a man die? And mm-hmm. she says, I said, well, he was murdered. Why? Mm. Mm. Because of the color of his skin. Mm. And she mm-hmm. says, but I'm brown. Mm. Yeah. Well, who murdered him? Mm. You know, these these things. And then now with the George Floyd thing, okay, now who murdered her? Then it's like, <gasps> what, what do you say to the seven-year-old to reconcile 
it's the police. But the police are supposed to help you. Mm. Facts. Um, and so it's mm. these reconciled thoughts. But I have to be careful about what I say because what I say is going to manifest in my seven-year-old. Mm. And it's going to kick back. And it's either going to breed love or it's going to be hate. Mm. And so for me, I've had to do a real heart check, especially in this season of like, okay, God, like arrest my words, arrest my thoughts and allow me to only speak what you say or don't let me say it at all. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to really do a heart check in this season um, and invite people into spaces and ask questions. When you don't know, ask questions and listen. Yeah, because you have so a unique key. experience. He has a unique experience of things that have happened to us, and it may not be yours. And it may not. And it may not. And it may not be yours. Unique experiences that may not be yours. Hmm, that's so good. I hope you enjoyed and grew from my conversation with Power Couple Montel and Kristen Jordan. Like Montel said earlier, let's be intentional. Let's step into new spaces and learn about each other's unique experiences so that we can all grow as one body together. Don't forget to go to montelandkristen.com. That's Montel and Kristen with a K, R-I-S-T-I-N.com to see conference excerpts, read their blog posts, and keep up with when they are in your town. And you can pick up some stylish t-shirts too. Also, don't forget to pick up Montel's latest album, Masterpiece. That's all for now, but until the next time, let's remember to build bridges and not walls. If you are a member of the Donors Table, you get access to today's unedited episode. Go check it out. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization, and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. Brittany Prescott was our transcriber. Please join us next time. This has been a Be the Bridge production. Be the Bridge, Be the Bridge, Be the Bridge, Be the Bridge, Be the Bridge.